Hey y'all, it's K-Bird Tweets, and this is Peace, Love, and Baseball. And welcome to another episode of Peace, Love, and Baseball. I'm your host, Kaybird Tweets, and this week we're getting back to baseball, y'all. Well, you know, there's always plenty of peace and love in there, but this week we are going to make peace with the St. Louis Cardinals' first losing season in 16 years. We are going to share the love of the game and excitement and anticipation of the postseason. And we'll also hit up some of the hottest baseball headlines to round it all out. But first, a couple quick announcements. We are on, we're on Facebook. We have a Facebook page for Peace, Love, and Baseball. It's called Peace, Love, and Baseball. Search it on your Facebook. You know the links in the show notes, so you can go hit that up. Go like it and follow along for all the fun. Oh, and we're also on YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube, I'd like to show you that I'm wearing my Wayno in the Birds shirt designed by Cardinals Gifts on Twitter. Shout out Gifts. And you can get your own on BreakingTea.com. If Wayno wins number 200 tonight, I'm recording this on Monday, September 18th. And in just about an hour, he is going to go for win number 200 for the first time after winning 199 last week. So if he wins it tonight, I guess I can never take this off. Wait to see on that. Let's get right to it, guys. We are going to attempt to make peace with the St. Louis Cardinals losing season. Maybe share some hopes for the offseason in 2024. Maybe find the silver lining, a couple of the positives, good takeaways from this season. But it is official uh, as of last week that the Cardinals are going to end the season with a losing record. Yeah, meaning they will have lost more games than one at the end of 162. And, and this is the first time that that will have happened since 2007. That's the year that I graduated high school. It's been a minute. I took a look at like other things that happened in 2007 to just kind of put this in perspective for us because I don't know. Anytime, I don't know about you, but I'm sure this is like a age thing. So depending on how old you are. If you hear like, oh, that happened in 2010, I'm like, yeah, that was like two years ago. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, so here's some things that happened in 2007 to just put this in perspective for us. The iPhone made its debut in 2007. Prince performed at the Super Bowl that year. Ah, oh, that was amazing. Britney Spears shaved her head infamously in 2007. This was also the year that the final book in the Harry Potter series came out. The really thick Deathly Hollows one. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg joined The View in 2007. I was actually watching The View when I was preparing to record this episode. So uh, I just, I thought that was interesting. There was also another writer's strike in 2007. So I don't know. The Cardinals, are they like really unhappy about the writer's strike? They just can't get it together. They need the writers to write them 
that winning season. Clearly, another reason for us to get it together here for the writers. And also in 2007, the Spice Girls launched their reunion tour. And your girl, I was there. Mm -hmm. Okay, speaking of reunion tours, we let's talk about NSYNC. Let's talk about the NSYNC reunion on the VMAs a week or so ago. They have also announced now that they are releasing a single that drops on September 29th, which is also very likely going to be the same day that Adam Wainwright makes his last start of his major league career. Like, is the universe trying to kill me all at once? Just complete full circle of my childhood right here. Anyway, what does that mean for a reunion tour? And will there be age restrictions? Ticketmaster, I'm looking at you. Proof of birth year prior to 2000, at least for the presale, if there is an in-sync reunion tour. Those are my demands. Also, thinking about the September 29th uh, being Wayno's last start, they're doing that uh, in forever in my Wayno era or something t-shirt giveaway, which like... I think I've mentioned this before. I'm not like a massive Taylor Swift fan. Like she's fine, but clearly there are a lot of millennial women who love Adam Wainwright is I was like, well, I'm not the only one. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that promo it's for us ladies. I love it. Uh, I'm going to try to be there. I'm not sure if I can get to the Friday game yet, but we'll definitely be there for the rest of the weekend. Okay. Anyway, before we get back to the Cardinals, like most tragic season for the first time in 16 years, I do want to talk about the narrative surrounding the 2023 Padres. Producer June is very excited about something at this moment in time. So let's talk about the narrative surrounding the 2023 San Diego Padres team versus the Cardinals, because when I hear the national media cover the Padres, it is just in a completely different way than the Cardinals. And I I think a big part of that is that there are 29 other fan bases that love it when the Cardinals lose, right? Like that's just kind of the way that it is. And I understand that to a certain extent. But when I'm hearing things like, oh, the Padres were so close and things just really didn't go their way in terms of luck. They just lucked out. Is there such a thing as luck? Normally we'd say no, but how can we trash a team that has, you know, Juan Soto and Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado and Blake Snell and Fernando Tatis Jr. and Josh Hader, and they are just doing all the things that we love to see in terms of carrying a roster of superstars and spending all the money, and they were just so unlucky. Ugh, shucks. But the Cardinals? Trash. Trash. Who didn't predict that they'd be losers, especially with their pitching staff? Blah, 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 blah. Y'all, lest you forget that you picked the Cardinals to win the NL Central this year. Yeah, you all did. Okay? So, you know, I decided to take a look at some of the extended stats for the season because I'm like, how do these teams actually really line up? I have this plan to come in here and compare, you know, batting, pitching, fielding, the Cardinals and the Padres. Now it's like, they're probably going to be like super similar. And it kind of worked out the way I wanted it to, kind of not, but I am going to share with you what I found. So the Cardinals offense was objectively better this season than the Padres. The Cardinals have 
80 plus more hits, eight more home runs. Their team batting average is 252 versus the Padres 241. That's a pretty substantial difference. Major league average is 249. So Cardinals just above average, Padres even more below. Their on-base percentage is actually identical, and that is due to the Padres getting walked more because Juan Soto. And quite honestly, the, the Padres have a lot more predictable power threats than the Cardinals up and down their lineup, right? So they should get walked more. Cardinals have a slugging percentage of 423, though, over the Padres 413. League average is 415. So once again, on opposite sides of the average there. Expected stats back all of this up to the Cardinals expected batting at 257 and expected slugging at 434, while the Padres are at 244 and 419. Defensively, they have an identical number of players who have positive outs above average. And I'd say just kind of, you know, subjectively, if you think about it overall, I wouldn't say they are different teams defensively and have different strengths defensively. But overall, I wouldn't say they've played like one has played like significantly better or worse defense than the other, which is a little bit of a red flag more for the Cardinals because they would normally be that team that you would expect to see, you know, on the above average end of things defensively, which is is just another thing that I guess you could say didn't go their way this season. Anyway, <laughs> then there's the pitching. Yeah, yeah, we had to get there. So yeah, we all know that Cardinals their problem is is the pitching. But here's the thing. When you look at the Cardinals pitching stats, like StatCast, like extended stats for the Cardinals and the Padres, there are obvious outliers on both staffs. So there, what I mean by that is there's like a couple players, two to three on each team that are drastically pulling the averages one way or the other. So for the Padres, they have positive outliers. Like, Blake Snell and Josh Hader, who have very low like batting averages against them, all that good stuff. For the Cardinals, they have the negative outliers like Wayno, honestly, Michaelis, and Dakota Hudson. And okay, let's leave Wayno out of this because I'm sorry, even if you didn't want Wayno to come back this season, there is absolutely nothing about his numbers from last season that predicted the amount of trouble and the extent of the poor outcomes that he would have had for this season. And the same for Michaelis. There was just no reason to believe that he would struggle to the extent that he has. So did we predict that those would be the two pitchers that would be dragging down this staff? Because when you look at the extended stats, like it's pretty obvious it's them and Dakota Hudson. And Dak, well, between Jack Flaherty and Steven Matz, you certainly didn't think you were going to see a whole lot of Dak this season, at least not as a starter. And yet here we are. So it's really hard to compare the pitching stats in a way that is actually telling, considering how hard the Cardinals sold at the deadline pitching wise, right? You're thinking like, oh, well, what if Jack Flaherty and even more so Jordan Montgomery were in this conversation? Jordan Hicks, Genesis Cabrera versus the Padres who just going to remind you, they added at the deadline. They added, baby. Yeah. Rich Hill, G-Man Choi, and more. And they still have only won, at this point, six more games than the Cardinals. So, you know, I'm going to keep an eye on how that plays out. But all in all, not that big of a difference. And 
at the end of the day, it's the same difference of not making it to the playoffs. You kind of all end at the same point. So you want to talk about luck? All I have to say is this. If you think the Padres are a talented team where the pieces just didn't come together, I'm not going to disagree with you, but you have to say the same thing about the Cardinals. And if anything, I would rather be the Cardinals who have a more obvious problem that they can now go out and fix. You look at it and you say like, well, there's, there's the problem. You look at the Padres and you're like, I don't know, man, what's the problem? It's definitely deeper. Got to dig a little bit more. Got to peel more layers back. But I digress. Let's get back to the Cardinals' tragic season, uh, which certainly is contributed to uh, partially everyone is on the injured list. Can you imagine maybe this would be a little bit different? They would have played things a little bit differently. Or, I mean, who really knows if they were in playoff contention? But at this point, there's so many people on the injured list and so many difference makers not out there every day that it's like, wow, kind of glad that we're not, you know, neck and neck, which I think even if they were playing better, they still would be close enough to have to really make a push and fight to get into the playoffs. So (laughs) I don't know. The downfall might've been all of these injuries at the end of the season, even if they had played better earlier on. Right. So let's take it back. We've got Packy Naughton, Wilking Rodriguez and Guillermo Zuniga who are on the injured list and they have been most of the season. I point this out because I think the bullpen was as much of a problem as the starting pitching this year for the Cardinals. And if you think about the impact that just one of these guys, let alone all three of them could make if healthy, that really changes the whole dynamic of the bullpen. I have a very different, uh, less of a sense of dread, I suppose, going into the offseason about what needs to be done if we've got guys like this, you know, making progress and fitting into that back end of the, of the game next season. Steven Matz, our second half, Cy Matz. He was cut short when he went on the injured list uh, with a left lat strain, and he is likely to return for spring training in 2024. There was talks of him coming back potentially as a reliever towards the end of the season here, but at this point, I think it's likely we'll just see him back at spring training, hopefully healthy and ready to go. Brendan Donovan had season-ending elbow surgery when it became clear that the Cardinals would, you know, more than likely not be playoff contenders. So they said, go get that taken care of, buddy. We want you back and healthy for spring training and 2024. And so he will be. Miss you, be Donnie. Dylan Carlson is having ankle surgery. I believe he just had it here in the last few days or so. So wishing him well. He is officially down for the count and out until next season as well. Nolan Gorman strained his right hamstring, hustling out an infield hit, which did end up producing a run in the game that became Wayno's 199th win. So cheers to you, Norm, for playing hard and making it happen. I'm bummed that it ended up in you coming out of the game with an injury, but it sounds like we could see Nolan Gorman again before the season ends. Jojo Romero has been out with left knee tendonitis that sparked when he covered first base in a game a week or so ago, and he is expected to return later this week, so the week of September 18th. Tyler O'Neill is also back on the injured list with a right foot sprang, totally different injury than the other things that he's been dealing with this season, and he is likely out for the season as well. Have I come to terms with Bro moving on from the Cardinals or the Cardinals moving on from Bro? 
I don't know, but let's transition into off season hopes and dreams for the Cardinals from here. And maybe we'll get back around to that conversation. I'm not sure if you can hear producer June in the background, but she is, she is making some noise out here with her new squeaky toy. Um, it's a bright pink bunny. I'm calling it bad bunny. And yeah, I should, probably should have taken that from her before I started recording, but here we are. Mo and co, uh, they say that they're out to get three starting pitchers, right? For the 2024 season. Ollie's going to be back for the 2024 season. So whether you like it or not, like, honestly, I don't really care. I don't think Ollie is the problem. I think there's room for improvement, but you know, you take what you can get. I think he deserves the shot to, to go at it for the 2024 season. So he's going to be back. And most likely we've got Michaelis and Mats that are going to be like the two starters that we'll see in that 2024 rotation. Obviously, Mats can be leveraged in the bullpen, and Michaelis is definitely looking to get his groove back in the offseason before 2024. The point is, we need three top-of-the-rotation starters. The free agent market is not looking super ripe with talent, um, especially with Otani and Urias more or less off the docket. Okay, Bad Bunny has been confiscated, and we're back. So personally... I know that we can all moan and groan and say how unlikely it is to happen. But Mo, all I want for Christmas is Japanese league pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto signed to a massive long-term deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. Given the time, he's only 25 years old. Yamamoto's career ERA is ridiculous. It is 1.84. And this season... This season, he has a 1.26 ERA in 143 innings with a 14-5 and record. He is very, very likely going to win his third consecutive award for the, I guess it's like the, the Cy Young equivalent for the Japanese League. And he has thrown two no-hitters now in back-to-back -back seasons. And the second one was only the 100th no-hitter in NPB League history. He's got a signature yo-yo curveball, upper 90s in the fastball, multiple off-speed pitches. And what I love about watching him is the simplicity of his delivery. It is wild, the speed that comes out of his hand with such a simple windup. So great mechanics that will likely serve him well over time. Yamamoto has a low walk rate. He doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. He's only allowed two home runs in the MPB this season. And he undoubtedly has the swing and miss stuff that, you know, the Cardinals need. So come on, Mo, please. He's, he's like the only one I'm like genuinely excited about at the moment. If I'm being honest, got to work with what you can get, but I'm sure that he is the most attractive option for a lot of teams. So we will see. In terms of trades, it is certain that at least one, if not two trades will need to be made for starting pitchers just because of what's available out there in the market. And obviously that is some leverage that the Cardinals do typically have is the depth of their farm system and their ability to create that value for other teams and trades. And it makes me sad to think about, right? Like I said, the good things is that the Cardinals have the depth in their system to make lucrative moves and to have attractive, attractive options for top talent. But that means, of course, to get top talent, you have to trade top talent. And there are just way too many what-ifs to debate, like who is the most likely to stay or go. And it will depend on the needs of the teams that are 
they are making the deals with. But man, it is going to be painful to potentially see some of our favorite guys go, whether they're on the major league roster or they're prospects that we have our eyes on. But in terms of major league talent, I do think that Dylan Carlson is a more likely piece because he has enough of a proven track record in major league baseball. I think it's like blatantly obvious that he has not yet reached his full potential. And he's also not a free agent until 2027. Do not talk to me about B Donnie or Gorman or even Newbar for that matter. Like I, I cannot fathom. I cannot entertain it. Uh, I am starting to come to terms with Tyler O'Neill as a trade piece, which I did not think I would say. So you never know. Feelings change. Life goes on. But I, I only think I'm coming around, you know, trading bro. Like I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, coming to terms with it because ultimately I think regardless of how he performs next season, it is not likely that the Cardinals will strike a deal with Scott Boris to keep him in free agency after the 2024 season, because if he doesn't perform, they're not going to want to. And if he does perform to his potential, he will get more money elsewhere. Like, let's be honest. So why get more attached at this point? Just walk away now, bro. Maybe he's better off and better appreciated, quite honestly, somewhere else. Anyway, highlights of this season. Let's let's check out some highlights because, of course, we want to end on a high note before we move into talking about the postseason and the teams that are going to be playing past <laughs> October 1st. Jordan Walker has really settled into his own in the big leagues, especially in the last few weeks. So that's been really fun and really exciting. And I know the whole Cardinals fan base is super on board about that. So hot at the plate. He has made incredible strides in the outfield, which has been really encouraging to see, uh, which he credits, of course, to Willie McGee. And there's just no doubt that like Jordan Walker is going to live up to all the hype. So love to see that. Same with Mason Wynn, who has only been in the big leagues for not even a month. I think a month as of tomorrow, maybe the day this episode comes out. While he is already elite, and I mean elite defensively, like even at the major league level, it is giving him a great advantage for the Cardinals to utilize him and like have him batting like a big leaguer, hopefully by the start of the 2024 season, because he's getting those reps in now. The breakout season of Nolan Gorman. I mean, come on. I know he's been on the injured list a couple times late in the season. Again, something that I think is interesting, like would that look different? You know, how are those injuries evaluated differently with the team in playoff contention versus not? Who knows? Not really important at this point, but I think there's no doubt that we've seen like a whole new door open for Nolan Gorman and a lot of excitement around that as well continued consistency of Brendan Donovan as just an everyday guy that anyone would be so lucky to have on their team. And Hey, even seeing greater potential from Jojo Romero in the last month or so has been a highlight for me. I am personally intrigued. And I think that there is more potential at the big league level for Zach Thompson and Matthew Libertor next season as well. And I'm looking forward to watching them progress quite possibly in different ways and in different spots for the team. I also got to give a shout out to Tommy Edmond, who for me, this guy makes watching even the ugliest of baseball games for the Cardinals fun. So whether he's coming in with a clutch hit 
or making a gold glove play at one of the four defensive positions that he's played regularly this season. I just, I love him. There is not a world where I come to terms with losing Tommy Edmond as a Cardinal. Okay. I can't wait to see him win the National League Utility Gold Glove. And while I am not here to debate how he should be utilized by the team long-term, because I've seen lots of different takes and I don't really disagree with any of them, but I am, I am here to say, I love him. I want him to play every position ever for every game ever. Thank you. And good night. Peace, Love, and Baseball is powered by Validity, the musical project led by the talented artist Wesley McKinney. Drawing inspiration from the likes of Ben Folds, Mika, and Jukebox the Ghost, Validity delivers indie pop rock at its finest. Wesley McKinney is not just a musician, but a true artist who weaves his passions for fitness, sports, art, and all things creative into his music and lyrics. Every note he strikes resonates with authenticity and purpose, creating an exciting blend of melodies and meaningful storytelling. Immerse yourself in inspiration with Validity's latest album, Indivisible, available for streaming on Spotify and all major music platforms. Whether you're a fan of Wesley McKinney's previous work or just discovering Validity for the first time, this album is a must listen. It encapsulates the essence of their unique sound and showcases the boundless creativity and heartfelt expression that defines validity. So don't wait another minute. Put it next up on your list right after this podcast and head over to Spotify or your preferred music platform and stream Indivisible by Validity today. Join the movement and experience the infectious melodies and captivating lyrics that will undoubtedly leave you craving more. Peace, love, and baseball await you with validity. It's time to stop talking about the Cardinals because we're going to talk about the postseason and they're not going to be there. <sighs> Do we make peace with that yet? I'm not sure. But <laughs> October baseball, little postseason preview is our love segment for the day because we love to see good baseball. And quite honestly, I encourage you, like, even if you are a Cardinals fan that's listening and you have stopped watching them or you are just like, I'm not going to watch the playoffs. I know accessibility is an issue. And that is something like when I asked on Twitter, I said, OK, Cardinals fans, like who's going to watch the postseason? And honestly, the majority of you who said you were not going to, it was because you're like, well, I don't want to pay for another TV subscription. Totally understandable. I'm actually going to be in that situation, too. I didn't realize, but, you know, I'm insane. So I'll probably pay for it because it's research. I can write it off, right, for Peace, Love, and Baseball? Totally. Anyway, uh, October Baseball. Who's going to be there and who are we excited to see? Maybe listening into the segment, catching up with some other teams, seeing what's going on, will get you excited to pick your postseason season allegiance, right? Okay, the Braves have clinched the NL East title for the sixth season in a row. And I said this on a Babes Babes episode a week or so ago, but I want to say it again that I know there's not as much excitement like league-wide around the Braves right now because they've been really good all season long. And it's like, well, duh, the Braves are in the postseason. And like, yeah, they're probably going to be in the World Series again, whatever. This is how most people like think about the Cardinals. They don't like them. They don't like to see them do well because they always do well. There is a hell of a lot of credit that goes to the Braves organization and so many players who are just incredibly, incredibly fun to watch on that team. So if you want to watch a fun baseball game, like I don't care who they're playing, 
watch the Atlanta Braves game. They will have a bye and they will not play in the wild card round of the playoffs. So we'll see them face off in the division series with one of the winners of the wild card round. The Dodgers have also clinched the NL West title, all but guaranteed that they will be the second team to get the bye and not have to play in the wild wild card round as well. So they are very likely to go straight to the division series. Just a brief explanation of how the expanded playoffs work. If you do not know, two of the three division winners. So in each league, there's the three divisions, right? Two of the winners with the best record get a bye and they go straight to the division series round. But the third winner, so the division winner that has the lowest record, uh, it looks like it's going to be the Brewers right now, the NL Central winner. They are, they're seven games up from the Cubs though. So very likely at this point that they are going to win the central division. They have to play one of the wildcard teams and they play like the lowest ranked wildcard team. So the one that has the most wins to kind of give them that advantage per se, depending on what the team's records are and how far the, you know, what kind of disparity there is could be more of an advantage than others. But the other two wildcard teams then play each other to get into the division series. So right now, the Phillies hold the top wild card spot, and they are up by three and a half games from the Diamondbacks, who hold the second spot. But they're only up a half game from the Cubs and the Marlins, who are currently tied for that third spot. But the Reds are only half game out of the last wild card spot as well, and the Giants are only two games back. It's getting close, though. My prediction is the Phillies, the Cubs, and the Marlins are going to be the three wild card teams. I want the Phillies, the Diamondbacks, and the Marlins, but I I do kind of think the Cubbies are going to get in, and here's why. So the Marlins play the Mets, the Brewers, then the Mets again, and the Pirates to finish up the season. They got this. The Marlins are my pick to, like, go all the way. Vibes are immaculate. Go freaking get it, Fish. I want to see it, but we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks when surely that all plays out and I'm a genius. The Cubs play the Pirates, the Rockies, but then the Braves and the Brewers to finish the season. So there is a possibility that the Cubs and the Brewers would end up playing two three-game series in a row at American Family Field if the Cubs are the last wildcard team. How fun would that be? How fun would it be to see the Cubs and the Brewers face off in the wildcard series? Oh, man. Milwaukee and Chicago going to lose their mind up here. The Diamondbacks could pull it out, though. They play the Giants next, and then the Yankees, White Sox, like their odds there, but then they finish the season playing the Astros, which is also tough. So speaking of the Astros, they are still a little closer in the American League uh, over there. So while the Astros currently lead the American League West, they're only a game and a half up from the Texas Rangers, who... We thought we were going to be a shoe in They haven't been playing as well lately, but the team, the team is still legit. They've had some injuries. They've had some things that have just kind of fell apart recently. I am hoping for them that they, they pull it out and they get into the playoffs. So right now they're only a game and a half back from the Astros who lead the AL West and the Rangers are two and a half games up from the Seattle Mariners. The Orioles have clinched playoff berth, but not yet the American League East division. They lead that division currently by two games up from the Tampa Bay Rays, who have also clinched playoff berth. So we will wait to see which one wins the division 
And whoever wins that division is definitely going to get the bye. They will have one of the better records of the division winners and which one then has to play in the wild card series. So there's still a lot at stake there for those two teams. The reason that I say whoever wins that division will get the bye is because the Minnesota Twins are clearly going to win the AL Central, but they are a 79-win team uh, as of right now, as opposed to the Orioles and the Rays, who have both won over 90 games already. So the Twins are very likely to be the division winner who has to play in the wildcard series as the Astros and Rangers both sit in the mid-80s for wins right now, and they're going to be that West title team. So this is where the the extended playoffs and the wild cards get tricky because the way that it works, there end up being teams like the Blue Jays, the Rangers, the Mariners, who will finish the season with more wins, most likely, than the Minnesota Twins. But at least one of those teams is not going to make the playoffs. Right now, the Yankees and the Angels could even end up finishing with a better record than the Twins, but won't make the playoffs. It's tricky. Yeah, especially those AL East fans that don't like to hear about it. Anyway, the wild card is shaping up to be a great race in the American League. Probably going to come down to even the final day of the season, which MLB loves. That's what we're here for. Uh, clearly, the Rays and Orioles will take the top wild card spot, like whichever one does not win the division, much like the Phillies in the National League. And right now, the Blue Jays and the Rangers hold the second and third spot. They're just a half a game that separates them with the Mariners knocking on the door just one game back. So the Rangers and the Mariners play each other six more times in the next two weeks. So that's going to likely shove one of them out just based on like how those series go. That makes things even more complex. Outside of that, the Rangers play the Red Sox and the Angels. So not the top teams, but also not teams that are necessarily going to roll over dead for them. The Mariners get Oakland to start this week off. So hopefully they can gain some ground there. Oakland is currently the worst team in Major League Baseball. I think they have only 46 wins. But then they have to face the Rangers six times. And they also have to play a series with the Astros before it's all said and done, too. The Astros also have the Rangers hot on their tail, so they've got to keep pushing to win their division. They play the Orioles to start off the week. Then they'll get Kansas City, who is the second worst team in MLB. I think they have 48 wins right now before they play the Mariners and the Diamondbacks to finish up. So the playoff race for the AL is very likely to come down against those last few days, especially because of how they're all playing each other. We'll see if the Blue Jays can hang tough as they face their rival Yankees and then the Tampa Bay Rays for the final games. They have two series against both of those teams to close out their season. So what do I think? What do I want? Uh, I predict the Astros and the Orioles. The Orioles have a notably easier schedule than the Rays uh, after they play the Astros, at least at the beginning of this week. Uh, they've got the Guardians, the Nats, and the Red Sox. Uh, I predict that they will get the bye to the division series. And then the Rays play the wildcard series versus either the Rangers or the Blue Jays. And the Twins, as we talked about, are there to play the lowest seed wildcard team. Whew. A lot of weight to see on that, but those are the teams that are in the mix. And that's kind of a preview of what's to come here in the last couple of weeks of the season before we head into the postseason. So 
pick your team, maybe watch some of those games. I always feel like, you know, I'm big on vibes. I feel like some emotional connection or some team that I'm like really vibing with. And, you know, for me already, I've said it's the Marlins. As we get more into playoff coverage here, here I will certainly share more about why that is. But the obvious reason is, you know, Skip Schumacher is their manager, former Cardinal, former bench coach for the Cardinals. And I love Kim Ang following her career and the success that she has been able to show in just her first few seasons, stepping into the general manager role for the Marlins. I think that they could be like a definition of where leadership really makes a difference on a team. So I love to see that. All right, let's hit some of the latest baseball headlines. Just a few here before we wrap things up. Latest headlines are a lot about Mike Trout to be traded. So the Angels have said, they have come out and said, if Mike Trout wants to be traded, we're open to it because I don't know why. It's clearly not working with him. And baseball wants to see Mike Trout play in the playoffs. Damn it. So I don't know. We'll see. So everyone's like, oh, he's going to be traded. Where is he going to be traded? I think if he's going to be traded, he would want to be traded to like the Phillies. He's an East coast guy. And I could totally see him like being very open to that and wanting that. And, you know, they have the players to, to make it happen. They could possibly take on some of the money from his contract so they can afford, afford it. Or, you know, they, they would take on a larger majority. I guess there would be less that the angels would have to hold on to. Whereas some other teams might, want to try to negotiate that differently where the Phillies would just be like, we can pay for him, bring him over. If I'm being honest with you, I think the most likely thing that's going to happen is that he's not going to be traded. I don't know. Like I would like to see him be traded, I guess, because the mismanagement of the angels is something we could do an entire episode on. And I think anyone who follows baseball could probably talk about until they're blue in the face to some extent, but I think they like to be in the headlines and then like not actually do anything. I don't know. Like I just knew they weren't going to trade Shohei Otani and I kind of think they're probably, they could probably still resign Shohei Otani too. I, I don't know. I just feel like this weird feeling that we're not done hearing about Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and the Angels. I don't know. So we'll see. But Mike Trout on the trade block? Maybe. I'm sure it'll be a huge storyline that we're going to follow all offseason. The other, of course, Shohei Otani, he is officially done for the season. Has he played his last game as an Angel? What we do know is that Shohei Otani has a torn UCL and he will have some kind of medical procedure done on his elbow sooner rather than later is what it's sounding like because he is now officially on the IL. I think he had an additional like oblique strain and officially done playing for the season. So he was continuing to hit, but he's not going to hit anymore. And what we also know is that Shohei's agent tells us that he will be back as a hitter for next season and he will ultimately return as a two-way player. So free agent watches on. Obviously that's changed quite a bit in terms of what he is expected to get, uh, both lengthwise and money-wise, considering that it is highly unlikely that, uh, that he's going to pitch next season. I mean, I think it's funny. I say, you know, some medical procedure, 
he has a torn UCL. Like he's going to have Tommy John surgery, right? I'm not really sure. He's already had Tommy John surgery too. So that's of course, a big part of the conversation is the success rate after a second Tommy John surgery versus the first and you know what that's going to look like. And, and obviously just the chance that any team is going to be willing to take and what kind of money they're going to put up up front for, you know, his supposed return as a two-way player. So yeah, I don't know. Part of me thinks like the most boring thing that's going to happen, pillow deal with the angels. I, I don't know. That's my thoughts on that, but that's what's happening. That's your latest. If you want to hear more about the latest MLB headlines, go check out our Babes Babes episode from September 7th, where Jonna and I gave a whole rundown of the latest headlines from Shohei Otani to Ronald Acuna Jr. and Julio Rodriguez doing amazing things. We talked about the Jailbirds, Wander Franco, and Julio Urias and their drama. Oh, yeah, it's all there. So, We'll be doing more of that uh, going into the postseason over there as well. It's also Hispanic Heritage Month, and we were fortunate enough to sit down with the women's national team and Oakland A's coach Veronica Alvarez, who is a first-generation Cuban-American and also just like the coolest person ever. She is clearly such an amazing coach, resource, motivator, an incredible athletic talent and baseball acumen. So go check that out because it was just so, so cool to, to meet her. And we had a really fun conversation with her. And in fact, we are planning a mic'd up series where we plan to go live during postseason games for a few innings, probably of each game. And we're probably going to do it for like a game or two of each series. And we will be joined by podcasters who cover the teams that are playing in the postseason. So, and if you're listening and you do a podcast and you cover a team that's gonna be playing in the postseason, hit me up because I'd love to chat with you and bring you on Babes Babes. Okay, before we wrap up here this week, I wanna leave you with a thought that I have been thinking a lot about in terms of what success looks like in baseball. And you know, I love to translate that to life. So if you get a hit 30% of the time, you are an above average and successful hitter in Major League Baseball. Imagine if we gave ourselves the grace to expect forward momentum or a positive outcome, a tangible result, just 30% of the time in life. Could be, you know, in some specific activity that you're trying or some specific goal. It's like seven, you know, out of 100% of the effort that you give, 70% of that is going to be putting in the reps, right? Showing up, doing the work that ultimately leads to that 30% desired result. So you got to do it. But 30% is is winning, is doing really, really well, is, is ultimately beating the odds. And you have to play the odds, right? So the only way to increase your chances of success, positive outcomes, whatever, is to try more, more frequently, more reps. A one out of 10 average is 10%, as opposed to 30 out of 100 to get to that 30%. But the only way that you get the 30% is trying 100 times. Think about it. I am sending lots of peace, love, and baseball your way as we enjoy the last couple of weeks of the regular season and we look ahead to the playoffs. 
Hey, our guest from last week, Meredith Lyons, her first novel is officially out as of today. If you were listening to this episode, the day that it comes out on September 19th. So go snag a copy and congrats to the winner of the giveaway of the book, Laura. Laura is our first giveaway winner, but certainly not the last. So stay tuned and I will catch up with you next week on peace, love, and baseball. 